Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. On today's program, uh, Mark Meadows is joining us. He was uh, the chief of staff for Donald Trump. He is suing Nancy Pelosi. We'll tell you why. Also, Bill O'Reilly stops by to talk a little bit about Putin and, uh, and Biden. Do you believe in ghosts? We have evidence that no one here can explain. Something is going on in a kind of a dark section of our Mercury Museum. Uh, where there's an electric chair, I mean, an actual New York's uh, old Sparky and, uh, and a, a guillotine from France and some really dark stuff. Something was moving in there and was caught on our cameras, our security cameras. You tell me, what is it? Uh, also, Stu is here and he talks. I try to do that occasionally, uh, but, you know, it doesn't always work out. Uh, you can go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is uh, Glenn. Save 10 bucks off your subscription. Or if you want to go to uh, glennbeckmerch.com, get Christmas presents. Uh, StuDoesMerch.com as well. Yeah. Glennbeckart.com. Glennbeckart.com. Dot com dot com. That's D-O-T com dot period com. .com.com, which is great. That's the, a little confusing, but if you use the code Glenn20 on the merch sites, you will uh, get 20% off. Do you get you giving is 20% off the art if you use Glenn20? Is that? Uh, no, it's like the socks. Oh, full Don't price. Don't give a damn. Don't give a damn. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
then it became very apparent that uh, that they were going to continue to ask about conversations that I had with either the president or other senior staff as it related to some of those non-privileged documents, and uh, and then over the last. Uh, 72 hours or so prior to filing the lawsuit, uh, you know, a subpoena arrived where they were actually looking for uh, all of the communication from uh, my personal cell phone device, uh, subpoenaing my uh, uh, my carrier. And and when that happened, it it, it became very obvious that there they were not going to put any limits on what they were looking for. And uh, the overreach, the constitutional overreach, in my opinion, was just uh, uh, not where I could voluntarily come in and uh, and participate for a deposition. And we also know, um, I mean, we, we know they've already made up their minds on what happened. They did this with Donald Trump in the impeachment, and it was grotesque what they did. Um, but the critics, no. CNN would say um, that, well, what do you have to hide, Mark? What is it that you're hiding? Why, why won't you share all these things? Can you explain why presidential uh, privilege is so important, not just for this president, but for presidents down the road? Well, for every president and certainly for every chief of staff, yeah, it's it's not only that they're they're you know they say well what do you have to hide uh, you know I've I've publicly have stated that uh, to my knowledge no one in the West Wing had any advanced knowledge that there would be a breach of security at the Capitol on January six uh, and 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 I've shared that uh, publicly and privately but at the same time what you know to have have them have me come in and say, well, what did you tell the president? What was your conversation? Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, at this point, what it does is just uh, empowers them. And you're right. All, all the people on the January 6th commission have all voted for impeachment. You know, so I don't know that they're, you know, neutral arbiters mm-hmm. of, of the truth. Uh, as you know, I've got a, a new book out, The Chief's Chief, and they said, well, you know, you talk about things in The Chief's Chief, and uh, and uh, and the you know the the subject matters in there are not uh, the intimate conversations that a chief of staff would have with the president of the United States, and so uh, it, for for me, it 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 is far too expansive. Uh, and uh, and I'm caught between a rock and a hard place, uh, truthfully, Glenn. I mean, when you really look at it, this is what courts are for. Uh, if if this is something that the courts would you know believe is constitutional and should weigh in, should a president, a current president, be able to waive the executive privilege of a previous president? It, it would set, in my mind, a very dangerous precedent where just different parties would then uh, essentially use both Congress and Yep. And this waiver uh, to to actually just uh, look at political appoint uh, opponents, and it's just not where what our founding fathers I think envisioned. You know, Mark, I've I've talked to Mark uh, to Mike Lee about this, and I uh, and I've always disagreed with this until I talked to Mike. I said, why didn't we go after you know Nixon? Why didn't we go after uh, Hillary Clinton? And he said it's really distasteful, but he said I think it's right. He said. Once you open that can of worms on your opponent after they left office, he said, that's what happens in banana republics. 
He said, because then it will be used for sheer political purposes to destroy the other party or the other candidates of the future. And he said, you just he said, I think it's just way too dangerous to do that. Do you agree with that? Well, it is. I, I do. And, and, you know, there's sometimes when, you know, when you're in power that you would love to have uh, the ability to use uh, the, you know, the law and, and the rules to your, your point. And, and Senator Lee is right there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not one to, to basically put a motive behind a particular individual. But I, I am here to say that I, I do know, and, the, you know, obviously for filing the lawsuit, uh, against Speaker Pelosi and the January 6th committee is, is you know, it needs to have legitimate uh, legislative purpose. Uh, it, it can't be just a, a fishing expedition in the broad scope of everything that uh, appears that they're looking at. You know, it, it's troubling. Now, some of those questions are not going to get answered in, in this lawsuit. Uh, you know, should Congress have the ability to subpoena just about everybody's record? Well, that becomes a dangerous path to go down as well. But certainly this question of executive privilege and the broad scope of what they're doing uh, would have a chilling effect on uh, future chiefs of staff and senior advisors to the president of the United States uh, in any future administration. Can you imagine, you know, uh, all of a sudden uh, a Republican president in 2024 and then all, then uh, there's a subpoena for Joe Biden's chief of staff and, uh, and uh, you know, all his personal records and, and official records as well. So this is what courts are designed to do. Uh, we felt like that this particular lawsuit was necessary uh, to at least bring the question and hopefully have the courts weigh in on it. Yeah. Uh, whether whether it changes my outcome or not, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, think, I think this is perfectly reasonable for people to to understand that, because when you say that about Joe Biden, yeah, you know, if there's something criminal that was going on, uh, I would want to talk to the chief of staff, but I would also want it to be very, very narrow. You know, it's kind of like a search warrant. You can't just kick my house, my door down and say, yeah, we're looking for stuff. You have to say, right. I know that we believe this is here and this specifically is what we're looking for. And if the courts decided that, uh, I, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I, well, and they should. But here's the interesting point, Glenn, and, and it's 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 important that you, you put that that criminal component there, you know, that's a law enforcement issue. That would Correct. be a, an issue for the FBI or other law enforcement uh, entities. That's not uh, under the purview of Congress to do law enforcement. There, theirs is strictly legislative, and so when you look at that. Uh, there are already provisions for sharing of information if, you know, if fraud or, or yeah. criminal activity took place. And so uh, I appreciate you making the distinction because that's that that is a, a significant one. But again, I'm not an attorney. Uh, I, I can tell you this, that uh, hopefully the courts will weigh in and that they will look at this. And that's what they're set up for do, uh, you know, when there's a dispute between the executive and legislative branch, uh, hopefully they will weigh in in a real way do you um i'm just trying i was trying to think about this from your perspective this morning and i trust congress and the fbi and everybody with i mean i have there's no trust left in me on these things it's all become political to me 
Um, and I know testifying in front of Congress, they have anything they want to do, they can do. And you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, they decide you're in trouble, you're in trouble. But more importantly, they destroy people's reputations. Howard Hughes is one of the only ones that I know that came out unscathed uh, in some, something like this. Do you worry that because they can't get Donald Trump, because there's nothing there, that they, they are just looking for someone to hang this on, uh, even if they can't really prove it, they just want to, they need a bad guy's head? Well, obviously, uh, again, I, I don't want to uh, ascribe uh, motives to particular members of Congress, but the political nature is not lost on me. I, I you know, obviously, when you look at that, there, uh, I think that you can tell from some of the public comments that members of the January 6th committee have already made, continue to make, you know, this is more of a political narrative than it is a legislative one. And, uh uh, you know, I, there's a lot of people claiming the fifth and, you know, uh, or at least I'm reading about that. You know, for me, I felt like it was important from a constitutional standpoint that we, we fight back on, on uh, this executive privilege and the scope of this investigation. Uh, you know, listen, I trust in the Lord and, uh, and that's where I put my trust. And I can tell you uh, at this point, uh, I'm, I'm fervently praying uh and, uh, you know, it, it, Congress will do what they typically always do, and, uh, and overreach is, is one of those attributes. So when the courts decide, if they decide you have to testify, you will testify. You, you have to testify. And, yeah, and, I mean, yeah. It, you know, obviously they're, they're the neutral arbiter in all of this. Uh, you know, certainly in sharing that, I think that uh, many of uh, the Democrat members of Congress will be uh, very disappointed with the facts and, and what actually happen, uh, you know, with regards to, uh, you know, President Trump and his team. Uh, I, you know, and at the same time, uh, you know, I think that they're going to move ahead with contempt and hold me in contempt before that. Uh, I'm hopeful that the courts will weigh in. All right. Mark Meadows, best of luck. Um, uh, thanks, Glenn. Yeah. I appreciate it. And thank you for you and all your listeners and, uh, and really appreciate it. You got it. We'll keep you in our prayers. Mark Meadows, uh, former White House chief of staff who has just filed a lawsuit against Pelosi and the January 6th committee members uh, let the Supreme Court decide whether or not executive privilege should be violated for this. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program. I know you've got a busy weekend this weekend uh, and uh, wanted to get you on it. Just first of all, can you comment on what Mark just said? Um, I think Mr. Meadows missed the main point that uh, President Barack Obama signed an executive order that says executive privilege extends to presidents after they leave the White House. That order is still in play has not been overridden by Congress, which is the only way executive orders can uh, get um, off the books. Now, that, that says it all. So there's no way this committee in Congress will win the lawsuit because this is on the record. Right. And it's... They can't win. I mean, 
if you say executive privilege and you're Donald Trump, which obviously he is, and that extends to Mr. Meadows and everybody else in the White House at the time. So this is all a charade, a nonsensical exercise in the exact opposite of what I'll be doing on Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the beginning of your Trump tour. The history tour. It's very important that people understand that this is, I'm going to get on the record, Beck. I'm going to get on the record things you do not know. I'm not going to get on the political merry-go-round, relitigate the uh, election. No. And, you know, here's something interesting. I was going to lead with the vax and COVID because that affects every American. But now I've shifted into Putin because of what Putin's doing. And that'll be the lead. That'll be the first topic that President Trump and I discuss. And um, I'm off today. I'm actually talking to you, and that's the last bit of work. And it is work to talk to you, Beck. Uh, You don't know the half of it, brother. Um, Try it from my side. Yeah, I'm researching like crazy, you know, to find things uh, that are on the record that I can present to President Trump. I would really like to know uh, the process of making Israel, uh, making, I'm sorry, Jerusalem, the the embassy site in Israel. Every president has said, no, I know the State Department pushed pushed back. What kind of pushback did he get that we don't know of? You should write that down on a card and give it to me if you can. I know you're going to be watching the show because I'm not going to do that in the front line first half of the show. There's just too many direct things that I have to deal with that are in the news now and affecting people's lives, like the economy and inflation. I thought this was a history tour. It is the history tour. But there's a finite amount of time. It's two hours. Doesn't sound like a history tour. Does it sound like a history tour to you still? You know, we're going to have a lot of bouncers <laughs> at this tour. Back. They're going to know where you're sitting. Yeah, where am but I anyway, sitting? Where am I sitting? A, am I sitting in a good... Do I, do I have a good seat? Do I have a good seat, Bill? Yeah, you'll be up with the folks. Uh, <laughs> up with the folks. So I'm in the balcony? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I haven't located it quite yet. I okay, think yeah. I think you're sitting next to Bette Midler. <laughs> I think that's where you are. But, Beck, I'm serious now. Write this question down and, and hand no, it I'm to me. I'm not going to give it to you. Because I can do that in the Q&A portion, which yeah. is the second part of the program. If I decide to, and if an usher will come all the way up there to collect my question, then maybe. Then maybe. You could, you could hang glide down. Hey, real quick, before we take a quick break, how much time do we have? One minute. Do you see that the Pope said, you know, sleeping before marriage, you know, having sex before marriage, not yeah, a big not deal so as a Catholic. So Jeez, why didn't he say that 50 years ago for me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sitting there going, what? I mean, you mean? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's entirely Catholic or not. Uh, what is he thinking? I don't know what he's thinking. He's the Pope, and I want to stay on his good side, Beck, just like you. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. I, I don't mind being on the bad side of this Pope, but that maybe that's just me. I've got Bill O'Reilly on, and I want to talk to him about what President Biden did with uh, Vladimir Putin. And uh, I think it's the Washington Post that said he laid a red line down. Oh, dear God. I hope it's not like a red line that Barack Obama laid down. Um. How do you think that went? What do you think is going to come of that? 
Well, they say they talk for two hours, and I find that very hard to believe, because if it was that long, Biden would have needed a nap mm-hmm. in between. You know, okay? right. Two hours is not you know, something that he does. Um, so, you know, it's hard to be precise on this because we just don't know. Uh, not a lot of leaks. If it were Trump talking to Putin, you would add the transcript about 15 minutes after they hung up. Yep. You know, there's no leaks from the Biden people, uh, which is a tribute to Ron Klain, the chief of staff. So I assume they all have little chips implanted in them. And if they leak anything, it goes ooh, ooh, right away. Well, I don't think um, I mean, the, the one thing that Biden has that Donald Trump didn't is uh, no enemies around him. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Um, you know, these people uh, that get into politics for a living, you know, the swamp, uh, they can be bought. Um, and then there's a lot of that going on. And certainly the big news agencies would want to know uh, if anything extraordinary took place. But we don't know. So let me give you a, a big an outline and I'm, I'll tie it in because I, I'm hoping President Trump will illuminate this further on Saturday. So Putin's a bad guy. In addition to being annoying, he is one of the most annoying people on the planet <laughs> because all he wants is attention. Mm-hmm. He's five foot four. He doesn't wear shirts. I mean, that's I all didn't know he, he was five foot four. That explains. Like, a yeah, lot. the guy's wearing Tom Jones heels and yeah. he barely gets up to five, six. OK, mm-hmm. so he's just a little nebbish. You know, who made his reputation in the KGB slapping six foot four people like me around. Um, And so he's super annoying because he doesn't have to do any of this. The second thing is that he's he's a corrupt oligarch. Mm -hmm. Putin's one of the wealthiest men in the world. And his wealth is centered in Zurich, Switzerland, in a number of numbered accounts where his girlfriend lives. Girlfriend doesn't want to live in Moscow or St. Petersburg. <laughs> Why would you want to live there? She's in Zurich watching the money. How did he get the money? Kickbacks from all of the Russian industries. And Putin gets a piece of everything. So he doesn't have to mass troops on the border of Ukraine. Because NATO is not going to invade Russia. And NATO's not even going to accept Ukraine. They may give him a little aid here and there, but what is this? It's just to get Putin in the news. He's totally opposite Xi in China, by the way. So I want to get into this with Trump. I want to know if Putin speaks English, for example. Yeah, I thought of that, too. Yeah. Does he speak English? Mm -hmm. I mean, after all these years of torturing Western people, maybe picked up a few curse words. He doesn't Um, he doesn't respond. He watches the interpreter as if he understands none of it. And I'll I'll bet you he speaks really uh, or at least he understands English 100 percent. So he can certainly read the Wall Street Journal. Okay, so anyway, Fidel Castro did the same thing. Castro spoke English, but he would never speak it. Right. So anyway, all Putin wants is to, uh, you know, present himself to Russian people as uh, a mini Mussolini and he struts around. So you got to deal with it. I mean, Trump had to deal with it in Helsinki. Biden had to deal with it on the call. But Putin doesn't care what you say. However, there's one thing that could bring Putin to his knees. And that is if Joe Biden signs an executive order 
that says no American banks do business with Russia. And if a foreign bank does, we're not going to do business with that foreign bank. That strangles the economy. Putin's net worth drops $80 billion. That is the way to go. Now, I assume that was the red line you mentioned, that the banks, Russia needs the currency because they can't survive without international money going in there. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know what the red line was, but, you know, I would take Biden at his word when he says, you know, I can cripple an economy. Because he's done it here. So I think he's probably <laughs> yeah, he's very, got a lot of practice. Yeah, he's got a yeah. lot of practice over here. And, you know, but he can't shut down the Nordstrom or whatever it is pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> Nordstrom. Nordstrom. It's Nord something. Yeah. And there's the Germans are sitting there going, and they made a deal with the devil, Merkel. Thank God Merkel's out of there. Ah. So she, they make the deal with the devil that they're going to take natural gas from Russia, Germany now. And the pipeline goes from Russia right into Germany under the Baltic Sea. Uh, and now um, Russia gets currency from Germany. But if Biden says no, no more foreign currency going into Russia, then the Germans are going to freeze their tushes off. What is okay? uh, what is what are the odds that he does cross that border and goes in and takes Ukraine? You know, I would say four to one against um. i don't think that he wants at this juncture to provoke that kind of reaction because the russian economy is fairly weak and and you know you're just basically putting your country into a depression it's like china china's not going to do anything until after the olympics i mean they could saber rattle all they want but they're putting on an exposition in february and march that will rival hitler's olympics in the mid-1930s it's the same kind of propaganda yep. outfit should we so, should we be boycotting that no no why look because you got to engage china and um this is another trump topic uh i don't know whether he agrees with me or not but china is close to us as far as power is concerned not quite as powerful but they're close if you push them away and embarrass them and poke them and do all kinds of things, it's much more likely that they will invade Taiwan, that they will help North Korea, that they will even help Putin. So you don't want to do that. So they made some stupid uh, diplomatic gesture that means nothing. And I didn't think that was a wrong move by Biden. So you disagreed with uh, Donald Trump's approach with the sanctions and how tough he was on on china it depends what area it was in he was tough on trade trade but he never humiliated xi and he never went in and said uh you know in in a bellicose way it was trump was all about making deals and if he didn't like the deal then he'd say well we're not going to let you do this or you're going to have to pay more to get your goods into that's a tariff they did that, but that wasn't, you know, provoking anybody to invade or bomb or anything like that. Um, last thing, Bob Dole is lying in state in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. Joe Biden's going to give a speech, yada, yada. I remember in 1992 that Bob Dole seemed to be the oldest man on Earth. Yes. He was uh, he was, I believe, 68 when he ran. 
Hillary Clinton is now 74. Biden is 79. Trump, 75. Nancy Pelosi is 81. Mitch McConnell is 79. Bob Dole was a spring chicken in comparison. Yeah, because we have a system now where it is very difficult to move on up um, to the east side, as the Jeffersons once sang. You, you have in Washington maybe a half dozen people in the House and Senate that call all the shots, 100% of the shots. Didn't used to be that way. You used to be able to kind of gather power like Dole did in Kansas and kind of, you know, go right right through the system. That's why he got the nomination for president. He never had a chance. Right. I mean, I, I mean you know, come on. Um, but he was a very brave man. Yeah, he was. And I don't know. I don't know if Americans understand how the Battle of Anzio, you know, if you read um, my book on World War Two, Killing Patton, you, you know, Dole, he, he was right in the middle of this thing and he got, you know, wounded for his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, very patriotic guy. I think he tried to do the right thing. No taint of corruption around him. Um, so I'm glad he's getting the honor that he is getting. So the, the thing I thought of was that Bob Dole came from the generation, uh, that was the hero generation of world war two. And they, you know, they didn't come back and write a bunch of books and beat their chest or anything. They just went back to work. Uh, and they were generally a humble group of people. The people we have in now are the sixties generation, who think that the moon and stars have been hung by them in the age of Aquarius, and they're just not going anywhere. They're just, they're just holding on. Where Bob, he did his deal and he moved on. You know, I said on BillOReilly.com on the No Spin News the other night that what Americans of all ages don't understand is a vast gulf between the baby boom generation, that's me. Are you in the boomers? Did you make it into the boomers? Uh, just the last year um, is uh, is my yeah. So you're, you're a boomer. I know the boomers are trying to expel you, but you're yeah. in there. I'm be fine with okay? that. Yeah. The vast, the vast difference, because we were raised under parents and grandparents who endured incredible hardship with the Great Depression and World War II. And sacrifice for the good of the country was the mantra. And if you didn't do that, you were ostracized. You were a villain. Mm -hmm. Now it's 100% different. It's all about you. You, you, you. Where's mine? I want. And so with that mentality, that selfish, selfish mentality that has permeated into the baby boom generation, by the way, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not impervious to this, that you have a totally different societal outlook. Yeah. And that's why the permissiveness and the, and the violent crime and you let homeless people overrun property and you let them shoot up narcotics, you let them do whatever they want. OK, that's just stunning to the baby boomers and the few greatest generation people who are left bill o'reilly thank you very much uh we'll see you in florida um if you want to see the uh, trump history tour with bill o'reilly it begins this weekend saturday in florida and you can get tickets and all the information at billoreilly.com thanks bill all right always fun thank you see you on saturday well i'll see you i'm not sure i'm gonna you know stop in and say hello be up in the rafters it'll i will need oxygen 
I, I don't think that's. Uh, I mean, I don't think you're gonna be that high. You should still be able to breathe safely. Mm. The best of the Glenn Beck program. You know, the best part of the holiday season is the food. I mean, come on, really? The true meaning of Christmas, yada, yada, yada. But how about the smell and the taste of your favorite foods grilling on Rectech? I'm telling you right now, holiday gatherings with friends and family can't be topped if you have a Rectech. So hurry up, order one today. In time for all the delicious holiday recipes, grilled, baked, smoked, any way you want to cook them. Go to Rectech's site right now, or you're going to have to face yet another holiday at your home without the grill that makes everything, appetizers, entrees, even desserts, Tastes like a chef made them. And with its smart grill technology, you'll be able to do everything from an app on your phone. It's sturdy, built like a tank, and it just simply cooks food to absolute perfection. I've been enjoying my grill for quite a while now, and I'm telling you, buy one. It'll be the last grill you'll ever want to buy. Order your grill for the holidays right now. Go to RECTEQ.com. RECTEQ.com. First, let me give you some optimistic news. About Omicron. At this point, no deaths have been recorded as of last night in connection with the COVID uh, COVID nineteen variant Omicron. So that seems really good. We've known about it for what a week now. It was think right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. So um, and longer. early studies are now showing that the symptoms are much milder than the COVID other COVID strains. And early uh, studies are showing that it is far more transmissible than the dominant Delta strain. Here's why this is really good news. This could be the dominant strain and it will kill out all of the other strains. It could just become a bad flu, which we'll have to deal with for the rest of our lives. That's what I said would probably happen. I think this was back in January when we were first talking about it. I said this could be, you know, another flu like the 1918 Spanish flu, which is what we have. That's flu season. That's just a different strain from the 1918 flu. It became very mild uh, and we deal with it every year. And that's what will eventually hopefully happen to COVID-19 It'll just become a mild flu. And that's what it looks like that Omicron is all about. But you would not know that listening to the experts. They are still freaking out about it. And part of your job as a leader is to not freak out. Say, we don't know yet. We don't know. Let's leave it at that. Just stay vigilant and we don't know. But everybody seems to be freaking out. It's hard, though, when you're the government and you're saying, believe me, I am the voice of science. You can't say you don't know. You know, that's the problem. But the truth is they don't know. Right. I mean, they don't know. It just started. It, there are indications, as you point out, that maybe it's a little bit less virulent. Maybe it's a little bit more transmissible. But I don't even think they have that locked down yet, frankly. They don't They don't know. And it's like, instead of just saying, like, look, this is something to keep an eye on. Let's see what's going on. You know, South Africa is a little bit ahead of us. We're seeing what's going on there. It seems like it could Very be X, Y, and there. Z. But we don't know. Right. Obviously, if you've watched us the last 18 months, you know we don't know. You know we don't know. 
And let's just tell you that we don't know. And you should go out there and take uh, the information you can get and assess your own risk and live your life. So here's the thing from the San Francisco Chronicle. They reported yesterday so far only one person in the U.S. has been hospitalized with Omicron uh, and there have been no deaths linked to this mutation. Uh, The New York Times reports that while hospitalization and deaths are rising in the United States, it is, quote, almost all due to the Delta variant. Yeah, it's ninety nine point nine percent of cases are the Delta variant right now. And now Omicron is not that's not the case in South Africa. So the South South Africa looks to be uh, the the new cases. The dominant variant is Omicron. So it Mm -hmm. does seem to be being passed around pretty quickly. But we'll see. We'll We'll see. see. We will. But that's optimistic news. And let's just continue to watch it. Yes. Instead of panicking everybody about everything. Um, Now, I have some video. And I rolled my eyes when I first heard about it. And then I watched the video. This is video captured by our security guard that is that uh, looks at a bank of cameras every night. He's here by himself. And a few of the cameras are in uh, the the secure vault area where we keep a lot of um, antiquities. And when I got here uh, one morning last week, this this particular guard was uh, as white as the driven snow. He was shaking and he said, I have to he said to the chief of security, I have to show you something because I think I think there are ghosts in the museum and in the vault. And uh, uh, Craig kind of rolled his eyes and went, "Uh uh-huh. Okay, And he said, no, no, I want you to watch. And we watched it on the playback from the security cameras. We have all kinds of sensors and alarms. Nothing went off. But we can't figure out what this is. And I want to play it. If you happen to be watching on the blaze, I want to play this for you. Um, We have probably, I don't even know, 20 cameras all over. And. Uh, none of the cameras have ever shown anything like this. Here it is. This is in the exhibit <laughs> hall. And uh, if you're, uh, you're seeing, there is one. Something that looks like a cloud of smoke <laughs> comes in from one corner and then disappears. And then another one goes to the opposite corner. Uh, slowly across the screen it is really bizarre it sort of looks like an animal at times but then it sort of dissolves right um now go to the uh, can you go to the other ones there's another one here that comes from the opposite direction and what's kind of spooky is where these things are either coming from or going to is right around old sparky <laughs> We have in one area of the um, museum in the exhibit hall, look at that thing. Uh, We have sitting there old Sparky. This is the electric chair from the New York prison. Uh, And we have a guillotine from France. Look at that. That's slow motion. What is that, Stu? I I certainly don't know, uh, but uh, I mean, I guess it could. I mean, that. that is moving. 
That is like a round ball of something. Moving very quickly. I mean, I guess in theory, some of them look like potentially you could say they're just like pieces of dust or debris moving close to the camera. Right? Like a lot closer to the camera than the floor is. Uh Uh-huh. How come no other cameras are showing those things? Why is no other camera anywhere? If it's close to the camera, only the camera that it's close to would show it. But you would have... If that was dust, you would see that occasionally on other cameras because it's not like the exhibit hall is just dust. Yeah. All of the cameras are exactly the same. They're just pointed in different directions. And only this one by the electric chair and the guillotine and some Mm -hmm. of the stuff from Auschwitz all in that area. And that's where we're seeing this. Now, some people said that they could see a face in that. And if that's true, do you have the picture of the face? I think it does look like there. Look, it It looks like Thomas the Tank. I don't Uh, know that it looks like Thomas. It looks like a ball. It looks like a ball. It does. Or Thomas the Tank. That's a round face just like that. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Maybe Thomas the Tank. So do you have a theory on this? I mean, is this a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, no, I, I don't have a theory on it. I, I mean, I believe in um, I believe in angels. I believe in spirits. Uh, I, I believe that there is a thin line between, you know, the two worlds. Um, I'm not one for ghosts. You know, I'm trapped here because I was connected to the electric chair. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Seems like you do. Seems like uh, like you do. uh, There could be an explanation for it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the dust explanation because Mm -hmm. we would have seen it on the other cameras. And the other cameras, there are other images going by that look different than the one i was t- just talking about like it does look like it's almost like it looks yeah, like it's they're... galloping in some weird way right yeah and and in that exhibit hall we've never seen that and it only happened this guy watches these monitors every night and he was like it's it was that night look at look what happened mm. he's he's here every night watching these monitors well, the only uh, the only explanation is uh, our evil spirits from the you Nazi. You are such a uh, jerk. The Nazi boxes. <laughs> All, <laughs> so don't buy you, Nazi so you paraphernalia. Don't in, so you don't believe in any of that. In in the ghosts running around your museum. Well, it did does, we see it Nicholas Cage does, at any point? It, no, but no. it does look a little like what I saw in Ghostbusters, the guy, really? that one that was eating the hot dogs. <laughs> I mean, I will say it is a low resolution camera that is a, that's the one thing it's really low it's very pixelated no, no that close yeah, you up can was. see the individual pixels do it again play it again play the slow one now this is slowed down frame by frame right and look how much drag there is on this image it's not but it's but that's because it's night vision yeah, it's just yeah, it's just tough to tell because I mean, I'm not saying I'm not like bashing your camera quality. I'm just saying yeah. that like, you know, it's a difficult thing to pick up in the dark. I mean, I, I don't know. I I'm not a huge I'm uh, usually the type of person that says, "You know what? If anybody I, I may be wrong on a ghost here and there, but I'm going to be right most of the time when I say it's not a ghost." <laughs> I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say yeah. the same thing. Uh, I just don't, you know, we there are things in that part of the room that I purchased because I collect the dark things of history so we don't 
forget. You know, there's there's nothing quite like saying, you know, uh, revolutions usually end, you know, with your head being chopped off. Oh, by the way, here's one from France. Mm-hmm. OK, there's nothing like that. Um, and uh, talking about Tesla and Edison and what a bastard Edison was and the the height of his arrogance and his just disgusting lack of humanity is the New York electric chair and having it and go. Yeah, that's the one right there. Um, that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool thing to have. But I have never put them in the house. I've never put any of this stuff in my house because I don't I just don't want that juju in my house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a team that prays over everything and we pray in that area. But I do believe in spirits. I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I do believe in spirits. I don't know. I have no idea what that is. it could be dust. I don't think it is. But it could be dust. What is what you say? You don't think that's what it is. What do you think it is? I really don't know. You don't know. I really don't. I know. don't know either. I will say. I'm just you know speculating on mundane things. Yes. Yeah. At first, he thought it was an animal. He's like, "How did an animal get?" Yeah. In there? At one point, it does look like an animal. Yeah. And and that's what he thought. He's like, "How did an animal get in there?" And then uh, he played it back, and he's like, "That's not." A, it's kind of like you know in uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Where's your other hand between two pillows? Those aren't pillows. (laughs) It's kind of like that. If you're watching, if you're watching, uh, call us. I'd love to hear what I'd I'd just love to hear your thoughts on them. I mean, I did. I really didn't believe in UFOs. I do believe in in UFOs now. I mean, it's just the, the evidence is there. The government has verified that they have pieces of alien technology. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I didn't think Biden could win and he's won. So is it really a stretch to say yeah, it might be a ghost uh, in this uh, world? I, I'll, I'll, I'll believe, take anything. Yeah, I mean, I, we're in a parallel universe. Uh, call us 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. We have a lot of weird things there. We just got a piece of the Hindenburg, which you have to see, Stu. It's mm. a big piece of the structure of the Hindenburg. Really? It's unbelievable. I, I, Absolutely I was under the impression a lot of it burned. A lot of it did. Yeah. A lot of it did. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of it one did. of the pieces out. Yeah. So one of the guys who was doing the forensics on it at the time brought a huge piece of it home to, I think, Ohio. Uh, and, uh, we just, we just found it, uh, with the family and, uh, it's, it's not in the ghost area, but maybe that was Hitler looking for the Hindenburg. We don't know, Stu. <laughs>